From the studios of their respective lounge rooms, a team of pyjama-clad TV tragics ready to slice, dice and dissect the best and worst of what's on the box. It's TV Binge Box. Hello, TV lovers. I'm Dan Bennett. Welcome to a brand new TV Binge Box podcast. The gang is all here to clap, slap, binge and rewind through the best and worst of what's on the telly right about now. How are you, Steve Mulk? I see wooden people. Okay, then. Hello to you, Joe Casamento. Say hello to my little friend. Oh, now I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so lost. Do you have any idea what they're talking about, Stephen Brock? No, I don't. I feel there's been a quiz question posed that I've failed to answer. <laughs> to what my, are you referring? My daughter spent her $50 uh, Westfield voucher given to her for her 16th birthday on a giant poster of Scarface with uh, Al Pacino and a big gun saying, say hello to my little friend. Oh, okay. Right. You know that line? And mine was as much a prostitution of the sixth sense, you know, I see dead people um, quote referring to maybe somebody's acting we're going to talk about shortly. Oh, all right. Oh, oh, that's oh, a, now that's a good little things. tease. Yes. All right. Coming up a little later, our group binge on the new Nicole Kidman drama series, The Undoing, plus Rewind. I'm looking forward to hearing what blast from the past Joe has for us this week. But first, uh, let's kick things off with... Clap or slap. Yes, it's time to find out what we've been watching and I don't know whether it's because it's been a bit cooler the last few days, but I found myself just smashing through a heap of shows mm. from my watch list, so I'm going to be quick. First, I finally got around to watching the docuseries Visible out on television on oh, Apple great. TV+. Plus. Yeah, this is a five-part series that explores the representation of LGBTQIA plus people on television, both on and off the camera. It's all done in chronological order, so across the five eps, you're watching the evolution and growth and milestones as barriers are broken down and stereotypes are challenged. It is absolutely fascinating, and I'm just so mad at myself for not watching it sooner, to be honest. Um, That's visible out on television on Apple TV+. I caught up with three, count them, three drama series that have been on my watch list wow. for the longest. First up, wow. Truth Be Told on Apple TV+. Plus. This stars Octavia Spencer as true crime mm. podcaster Poppy Parnell, who is compelled to reinvestigate the cold case of convicted killer Warren Cave, played by Aaron Paul, a man who many years earlier she had painted as the murderer of the father yeah. of identical twins, um, when new evidence comes to light that he may have been framed for the crime. At just, dum, eight, dum, dum, dum. Dum. At just eight episodes, it has all the ingredients to be the kind of show that would be right up my alley. Octavia Spencer, Aaron Paul, murder mystery podcasting. It screams DB, right? Well, unfortunately, the writing is excruciatingly bad, like oh. jaw on the oh. floor terrible at times. It's been renewed for a second season, but I will not be back unless there's a change of creatives because I thought season one was a stinker. Um, but check it out for yourself and let me know what you thought. Truth be told on Apple TV+. Plus. The second of the drama series was season three, and I think you'll love this one, Brookie, of Unforgotten on Stan, the fabulous British mystery series starring Nicola Walker from The Split alongside Sanjeev Bhaskar uh, as their characters Cassie and Sunny investigate cold case disappearances and murders. Each season has its own self-contained mystery, which plays out across six episodes. Are they in a grimy northern English town somewhere? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> well, they are in season three, okay. actually. I'm in, yeah. I'm in already. <laughs> I'm in. 
Um, each season has its own self-contained mystery, as I said, um, plus stories from their characters' personal lives that carry across all the seasons. I could not love this one more. Seasons one and two were fantastic. Season three, just as awesome. And season four is on the way. It's filming at the moment, I believe. So I can't wait for that. Get involved. This one is right up there with some of the best British whodunits of recent times. That's Unforgotten, all three seasons streaming now on Stan. Still on Stan, the final drama series I made my way through was the first season of US thriller Condor. Max Irons, son of Jeremy Irons, stars as Joe Turner, a young CIA analyst whose idealism is tested when he stumbles onto a terrible but brilliant plan that threatens the lives of millions. When everyone in his office is massacred by professional killers, Joe manages to escape and go on the run and has to evade the people who want him dead at the same time as racing to discover the truth before the terrible terrorism plot can unfold. This is 24 meets Jack Ryan, edge of your seat thriller type stuff and incredibly well done. I was really impressed with this show and its performances and storytelling. William Hurt features Mira Sorvino, Brendan Fraser occurs, trying yeah, to do dramatic acting. Um, season two actually premieres this coming Saturday. So I'm glad I got involved with this and can jump straight onto it. If it's anywhere near as good as season one, I'll be a very happy man. If you haven't already, check it out. Condor on Stan, definitely worth your time. Rookie. <laughs> Is this... You, well, there's been a lot of advertising for this show and what you have described is mm. the plot of the 1970s Robert Redford film Three Days of the Condor. Where Correct. So it's based on that, okay. on that book series. Which was actually yeah. based on a book that was called yeah. Six Days of the Condor. Condor, Condor. So the book was Six Days. Robert Redford's 70s film was Three Days. This now in the 20s is just Condor. So we're getting Correct. pay series getting- time. Got it. We are getting face through this time, but it's, it's a really good show, so check it out. And sorry, did you say Jeremy Irons' son? Yeah, Max yeah, Irons. Is he Irons. as um, creepily magnetic as Jeremy? He, yes, well, I want to say creepily magnetic, but very magnetic. Yeah, <laughs> okay. he's got a good right. on-stream presence and a great American accent too. Mm. All right, and finally, from dramas to comedy. On Amazon yes. Prime Video, we were treated to the sequel to the 2006 smash hit Borat. Yes, Sasha Baron yes. Cohen is back in... Borat subsequent movie film. <laughs> First, how great is that title? It is such so a great. good title. Actually, the complete so title. The, the complete title yeah, is, is like a real Borat subsequent movie film. <laughs> delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Slightly less catchy, much harder to say. Yes. Um, yes. Okay, so in case you've been living under a rock, Borat is the journalist character from Kazakhstan that Baron Cohen created. And the first time around saw him inveigling himself into various situations across the US with people thinking they were giving real interviews, not realising that it was all a setup by Cohen. But he got some really interesting stuff the first time around, shining a light on misogyny, sexism, racism, homophobia within American society. It was rude and crude and quite memorable for introducing us to the mankini. I'm not sure that my eyes Mm. have ever recovered from that. Well, Borat is back. And this time it's a more linear plot revolving around Borat trying to deliver his newly discovered daughter, Tuta, played by Maria Hmm. Bakalova, to US Vice President Mike Pence as an apology from Kazakhstan for the embarrassment he caused the country last time around. Cue another string of absurdist pieces as Borat and Tutar make their way across the states and interact with various Americans and politicians, including Rudy Giuliani in a much-talked-about mm. sequence. Lots of people are raving about this film, declaring it even better than the first. For mine, I'm not in that camp. Clearly, there's a lot more set up this time around because most people know who Borat is, so their reactions are not anywhere near as authentic or funny. 
The film is at its most successful for mine when Tutar is the one speaking with the ordinary people because they don't know who she is. Um, but overall, it didn't live up to the hype for me. It was okay. I didn't hate it. I just wasn't singing its praises from the rooftops like many others. So Borat, subsequent movie film on Amazon Prime, gets a little clap from me. Just a little one. Well, you all I'm asking, asking, is it worth watching? It, yes. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. What did you think, Joe? I know you watched it. Yeah, look, I, I, I thought it was amazing that 14 years on, he still has managed to shock some Americans. <laughs> like, yes. he's still on that. That's amazing in itself. I, you know, if you are a fan, it is still a lot yep. of laugh out loud moments. Obviously, it is is not going to be as, you know, that wow factor that we had the first time around. But um, I, I still think he's, it's amazing for me, the biggest thing about it is that he can get away with things most comedians these days can't because of cancel culture how yeah. on earth does he still he gets, yeah. you know uh, when you can't have delightful. someone you know john cleese has been panned you've got chris lilly he can't all yeah, his yeah, shows yeah, are yeah. gone how does he still do it yeah it's quite incredible quite amazing Malky, you enjoyed I, it it was Absolutely delightful. I'm one of the people that says that this was better than the first one. Okay, cool. Um, acknowledging that the first one has its special place because of the nature of it being character, sort of, you know, almost devious comedy in the way that it was like the, the crew and the cast were in on it, but the cast was like three people and then America was the unsuspecting participant. Mm, yeah. Um, so you're right, more people were in on it and I think that the actress that played Tutar did a great job. They so had good, to yeah, really... Yeah. Oh. To be frank, they had to really muck her down yeah. for the first part of the film because when she put on the glam, she's hot. She's an like Instagram she's, model. Um, and a great actress yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like she, she matches him. Job. She really, mm. you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, she did toe to back. toe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think was evidenced by the fact that Baron Cohen had to go into more costumes, even like as Borat in costume as someone yeah, else, yeah. that was to try and sneak things through. Again, how he gets... Into some of the places he gets into in costume is beyond me. Yeah. And I will never look at a planned parenthood clinic <laughs> or a uh, American Southern prom the same, the same way, ever yeah. again. Oh, yeah. Best. All right. And we might talk about the Giuliani scene off air because I've already run very long for my <laughs> segment. So, but yes, in short, Brookie, worth a watch. Definitely worth a watch. All right. Speaking of you, Brookie, what have you been watching? I watched the NRL Grand Final and. Oh, yes. Bitterly disappointed by the result, but was quite in favour of Nine's coverage. Uh, although oh, I, I do really? have to question having someone as, shall we say, committed to the Panthers as Phil Gould mm. in the commentary box because I just think that uh, he was too biased um, and yeah. I think yeah. that they yes. needed somebody with a bit more objectivity to carry out that crucial role. So uh, a bad piece of um, production on the part of Nine there. I did like, I didn't see it all, but they had some great pre-match sequences. I particularly one that stood out was where they took some of the best moments from previous grand finals that they said this was the breakthrough mm play that swung the grand final um, throughout the ages you know Jonathan Thurston's field goal for the Cowboys yeah. etc but then interspersed that with kids playing footy themselves to try and get across the idea that it's the excitement of these kind of big matches that can inspire a whole new generation of yes. boys but also girls into playing the game and I thought some, some of those sequences were really heartwarming um 
So I was actually going to switch off when it clearly became apparent that the Panthers weren't going to win, but then I would have missed their late try that got them on the comeback. But, of course, they completely ran out of time. So it had a magnificent ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone else catch the match, Joe? Oh, I did as well, and I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, we talked about it on TV Black Box, which I um, made a guest appearance on last night with Mulk. Cheating but, on um, us. Anyway. I, I, look, it was a last-minute uh, <laughs> fling, and it, it only happens very occasionally, I promise. It <laughs> didn't mean anything. <laughs> it didn't mean anything, yes. Um, but I'm with you. I, as I said on that podcast, Phil Gould, I know and love and respect, and I think he's fantastic for the game. But in this instance, being a grand final, definitely didn't have the celebration factor of both sides. He was so clearly in one camp, he couldn't even see or celebrate or, or acknowledge the greatness that was going on on the other team. So, yeah, that was a little bit frustrating as a viewer definitely it really was a tale of two games over the weekend the afl grand final uh which i watched in prime time and friends i suspect it will be there for a long time to come uh and then the nrl grand final this is what i always get stuck on didn't there used to be entertainment at halftime in the nrl grand absolutely yes and i can remember 42nd Street, which was on in Sydney at the time, and they, There's but all they sorts all of trotted out, all debacles. the dancers trotted out and stood there, and they couldn't yes. get the, the tap but they couldn't shoes. get the tape working, so they stood oh, there gosh. for about five minutes and then all walked oh. off. There's always think, some disaster, yeah. isn't there? Well, the Billy Idol yeah. debacle. Do you remember that? Where he was there, arcing up, ready to That's play. Right. They brought him out yes. in something, and then the power went off on yeah. stage, and he's like, "Yeah." Come on, rock and roll. And they couldn't get it to work and they just ran out of time. So the big Billy Idol's going to perform. They had the stage at the end of the, the, you know, the, the, like behind the end goal. Uh, Yeah, it's crazy. So it's only been in the last few years they've stopped doing that. I think so, yes. Fun fact I was actually part of the pre show entertainment in the 1997 NRL Grand Final. I was one of Jimmy Barnes' working class men. So there you go. And no, well I, no, I don't have it on VHS, so we what, cannot. That's incredible. Can I ask what one of Jimmy Barnes's working class men do? Oh, do just you... a bunch of us dancing around in overalls. In flannels yeah. and boots. Yeah. Do you think you were playing Sorry, against but... type, Dan, in that sequence? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, right. but the main show I want to talk about could not be more different, and I'm urging everyone to check this one out. It's called... Talking Heads, you'll find it on BBC First, on Foxtel, or on Catch Up, or I believe it is also on Binge. And no, it's not about the pop group. (laughs) This is a series of, I'm going to call them television plays, that have been written in Britain by a very famous playwright, Alan Bennett. Uh, He originally wrote them in the 80s and then did a follow-up season in the late 90s and it could not be simpler television it's taking television right back to its early roots basically it's an actress or an actor it's a set and it's a camera and they brought this series back because of lockdown and it was one of the few things that the bbc could film during the covid restrictions uh, so alan mm. bennett is from the north of england uh these stories are timeless and really locationless, but the actors who've been employed are clearly putting on northern accents and 
Most of them are set around the series of leads. They're deceptively simple. They're just people at home, mainly older women. We've got Imelda Staunton, Harriet Walker, uh, Leslie Manville, Tamsin Gree, Kristen Scott Thomas. And they're all playing ordinary women who have, as it becomes apparent, a seemingly mundane but increasingly extraordinary story to tell. Martin Freeman's also in one of the episodes, and Jodie Comer as well, who obviously is in Killing Eve. I absolutely love this. I think that it really does pay close attention. I'm going to go back and watch a couple of these again because I just found that uh, the more you invested in it, the more you got. One episode is called The Outside Dog, concerns an actress called Marjorie, who's a bit of a clean freak, Always at war with her husband, Stuart, particularly over their Alsatian Tina. He works in an abattoir and it's a broken marriage. He's pretty brutal towards her domestically. Gradually, you realise that Stuart may or may not be a serial killer. And just what Marjorie has to do to try and come to terms with this is quite extraordinary. There's another one, Maxine Peake, who plays Ms. Fozard, and the episode is called Ms. Fozard Finds Her Feet. And she's a lonely middle-aged department store clerk who uh, you know, has a very ill brother at the same time that her chiropodist, who looks after her feet, retires, but sends her the name of a replacement, Mr. Dunderdale. Mm. And turns out that Mr. Dunderdale has a bit of a kinky foot fetish and... Ms. Fozard, who up until now has been a very straight-laced, up-and-down northern lady, reacts to all of this in a surprising way. So I thought this series was terrific. It's basically a TV play. Anyone familiar with British soap operas like Coronation Street or EastEnders, where they tend to sit around talking about Mm. Mm -hmm. their lives in a genre known as kitchen sink drama, because they basically (laughs) never get out of the kitchen. Well, I think find so much in this series so it's called talking heads it's on bbc first at the moment they normally show a couple of episodes uh, of an evening but you can find it on catch up it's a massive clap from me excellent i will check that out for sure thank you brookie malk what have you got for us uh, look, I mentioned that I, I'm running through, I'm in the middle of a few series and they are kicking on. Yes. So the Comedy Store continues, The Good Lord Bird, both of them on stand, uh, come highly recommended. I did finish The Vow uh, and I'm kicking in with Seduced. Seduced mm-hmm. so far, it's halfway done, far superior. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vow and Fox Showcase, Seduced on stand. Uh, a friend of mine got me onto what is now unfortunately a cancelled series on stand. It's a comedy called The Detour, um, that is written by, of all people, Jason Jones and Samantha B. Now, you might know Samantha B. Oh, from... uh, as the lady who hosts Full Frontal with yeah. Samantha B. Um, very funny comedian with a, a certainly political bent. Uh, she is married to Jason Jones, uh, and they together wrote this sitcom that you would think at first look is almost a homage to National Lampoon's um, Vacation. Mm-hmm. It is a family trip from the northeastern part of America down to Fort Lauderdale. Right. Right? No big deal. Except that from the very get-go, like, shit just doesn't go wrong. Shit goes sideways wrong. And 
the whole uh, 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 they they don't like it's an adult sitcom with two parents, two kids, and they're taken on America. Uh, in the second episode, it's all about sex. Right. Oh. Like it, uh, the their you know young teenage girl starts a period. Um, as it turns out, in the toilet of a strip club that they thought was a milkshake joint, um, because it's called the <laughs> Banana Creamery. Um, oh no, it's hilarious, and their son is younger than her, entirely unaware about everything. So they, you know, trying to be sort of forward-thinking parents, end up explaining very frankly to them the birds and the bees. And it's, oh my gosh, oh, cool. it is hilarious. So that was on Stan, you said? It's on Stan. It's Sorry, a little I thought bit you must be on SBS in the foreign <laughs> film <No>. section. <laughs> it's so funny. It is so funny. Oh, and it's what? great situation comedy. Definitely recommend it. Four seasons, all of them on Stan. I'm four episodes into season one and cannot wait to smash it. Um, my clap or slap this week is a new TV show. Ooh, I have yes. previewed the first two eps of Reputation Rehab. It's hosted by Zoe Norton Lodge and Kristen Drydsdale. You might know them from The Checkout um, or even before that. I think Kristen was a part of Hungry Beast way, way back in the day. Um, this is kind of exactly what you think it is. It is these two ladies looking at trying to rehabilitate people's reputations, acknowledging that reputation exists in the, the mind and views of the beholder. So it's not just the first episode is about Nick Kyrgios. It's not right. just about them interviewing Nick, which they do, but they talk to a whole bunch of people about Nick Kyrgios and what do we think about this? And do you think this haircut, he's the bad boy, how do we fix him? Um, without you know going too deep into it and spoiling it for you, how do you fix a bad boy? You replace him with another bad boy. And they go uh, ahead and try and do that. And it is super funny, right. is that but all you also have to a do? super great oh. look, apparently. <laughs> Sounds like my life story. One in, okay. one out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah that, hang on. Um, Pardon me. Moving on. There's uh, <laughs> a lot of really funny situations that they build into it. You know, some really smart writing and a great reflection on how reputations can be built and made through either hard work or some really subtle editing. Nice. Uh, the second episode is all about the bachelor kind of bachelorette situation. They get on former bachelor contestant Abby Chatfield. She gets around, um, doesn't she? Where she's getting around right now, let me oh. tell you. But it is an excellent half hour of just talking about her and The Bachelor. And they get in uh, Maz, I can't remember her last name, I think it's Jennings, um, who has executive produced some of the biggest reality franchises in the world. Right. And she is straight to the point about how you build and create a villain in reality oh. television. Fabulous viewing. It starts tomorrow night, 9.05, straight after Gruen on the ABC. Good time slot. Uh, huge clap. Get involved. It's so great. All right. Excellent. Thank you, Malk. Joe, what's been on your watch list? Oh, okay. Well, I am one of two people, apparently, that are watching The Bachelorette still. The other one would be my daughter. Uh, I'm enjoying it. So I'm, I'm still, we're sticking with that. Um, I'm enjoying the blokes in the house. They're, they're quite a charming bunch of chaps oh, this time. Good. Uh, Real Housewives, of course, I'm still uh, doing Potomac, which is just fantastic this year. Cheshire is back, which is a bit of a strain yes. because they literally have to stand. Like, as they're filming, you can see there would have been 100 people on set. Uh, you can't yeah. go near. So they're at, like, a wedding vow renewal or something, which, you know, of course happens often in Housewives uh, episodes. <laughs> um, and they have to stand this far away from each other. So it's kind of losing a bit of its sheen in that way. And can I just say... Very exciting news. There is a new set of sisters coming out. 
yeah. Next week, yeah. the Real Housewives of wow. Salt Lake City. Oh, that's the next ones to come. This is the franchise. I've seen a preview. Yeah, and How I just can can't wait. Work in oh, they Central? all married to the same bloke. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did love Sister Wives. That was a fantastic show back in the day. Oh, don't, don't, okay. Don't, don't. Um, and I'm going to be very quick this week uh, oh. because I did the grand final and I did mm. uh, Borat as you did, Dan. So I'm going straight to my uh, hit for the week. And this is the second season. It's not, I'm only halfway through it, but I didn't mention it during uh i haven't mentioned it yet Mm -hmm. and i loved this one i'm talking the spanish princess it's on stan it's one of philippa gregory's you know there's the white queen the red queen the white Uh princess the red i've read them all i've been reading them all since i was about 10 years old and my mum gave me the other berlin girl as well is that her Yep. Same same okay. novelist, yep. yes. And she's actually a very detailed historian, can I just tell you. But this is actually quite fascinating because if you're a lover of that Tudor English history, we know so much about Anne Boleyn and we know so much about Henry VIII and all his wives, but we rarely focus on Catherine of Aragon. And when we do, we only ever see her as this old dusty queen that was always on her knees not for that reason. She was always praying and she was boring and she couldn't bear any children and she was just done and dusted. And by the time Anne Boleyn came along, Henry wanted out and, as we know, changed religion, changed the course of mm. history, blah, blah, blah. But this focuses on the young Catherine and the young Henry before he had gout, before he was right. huge yeah. and fat and beheading wives. Uh, it's like a Camelot and it's actually a really lovely insight into... Uh, how it all went so wrong and how women really were just, well, royal women, instruments or vessels to bear sons. Um, And and if you couldn't, goodness knows, it was pretty much off with your head. So I'm really enjoying that. Um, It's a highly spirited, it is a soapy sort of melodrama, but it's dripping in elegance. The sets are sumptuous. She is ravishing the young girl who plays... um, plays uh, Catherine, that's Charlotte Hope, um, and it's a lot of fun. It's a welcome escape, Nice. trimmed with a lot of gold. If you're a fan of the genre, I highly recommend it. Excellent. Amazing. Good mm. stuff. All right, thank you very much, Joe. That is what we've been watching this past week, dear listeners. How about you? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We're at TV underscore Bingebox on Twitter or TV Bingebox Podcast Gang on Facebook. And speaking of Facebook, any big highlights from our binges this week, Malk? Look, there's some pretty good ones, honestly, uh, Dan. I was pretty impressed to see what was happening. Uh, when I had a look, Clint Tice had uh, loved Action Park. I'm with him, honestly. Okay. And so did Michelle Lucas, who happened to also love White House Farm, mm. which, I, no, I mean, good luck to you, Shelley. That's all yours. Um, Adrian Messenger had brought up the Presto Changeo happening on Neighbours, and a big welcome to Don Haney. We know that he's a listener of the podcast. We hope. Oh, I love Don. Oh, Don. I love Don. Oh, does he listen to us? Oh, now I'm blushing. Mark's just Don. making that up, I think. I'm going to say that he does. It's, it's the standard television shout-out, <laughs> right? Spring. Great to see you, Don. I hope, I hope good to see you well. Um, uh, Kathy Meyer is knee-deep in Vandervolk, and the name alone is enough for me to at least check out an episode. Um, I was super stoked to see some love for Anne Edo Edmonds and her stand-up mm-hmm. special from Catherine Calupo, uh, sorry, Capalupo. Uh, and look, any any moment that you can get to see Anne Edmonds perform, do it. Um, she's, she's got great. a special, I think it's on Amazon Prime, yes. and there, I think there's another one ticking around somewhere else. Uh, she may even, uh, quietly between you and me, pop up on the new Auntie Donna series oh, that's okay. about to start on Netflix, yep. so keep your eyes open. Uh, and 
Our very own Dan Bennett celebrated Foxtel's <laughs> 25 years with a very special <laughs> oh, picture from the so vault, where he looked about three. How was my hair? Oh, no, I was 15 as well. Post what? of the week, yeah. Dan. Do you remember that photo shoot? Do you remember the Telegraph Mirror I coming around? That. Yeah, we got a, we got a phone call about four o'clock in the afternoon from the Daily Telegraph Mirror saying could they come and interview us and take our photos. So it was amazing. Yeah, it was great. I loved that. Mm. Can I add one in here? Because I had a private sure. message from one of our oh, binges. Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, I won't, I'll keep her nameless, uh, but she, I, here I was thinking I was the only one that Chris Isaac had offered to do a bad, bad thing to. Oh, and it turns oh. out I, I'm not. He's throwing himself oh. around all over the place, is he? <laughs> okay. I'm sure that line has worked uh, more than it's failed, let me tell you that. <laughs> anyway, there you are. All right, we need to Maybe find out who that is. Join us. <laughs> join us on the Facebook page, TV Binge Box Podcast Gang. We'd love to have you come into the fold and tell us all of your favourite bits of TV and all of the bits we should avoid. We sure would. It also is the place where you can chat to us about our very next segment. Group Binge. Our group binge this week, I hope you all watched along, listeners, was the HBO series The Undoing, which premiered on Fox Showcase this past Monday. It was the first of six episodes, a new one will drop each week. And for those who missed it, it's a psychological thriller based on the 2014 novel You Should Have Known by Jean Half Korolitz, adapted for TV by my hero, David E. Kelly. It stars Nicole Kidman as Grace Fraser, a successful therapist on the brink of publishing her first book. She has a devoted husband, played by Hugh Grant, and a son, played by Noah Jupe. And in this first episode, we see her meet the rather mysterious Eleanor, who joins the team of mothers mothers looking after a fundraiser for their children's rather hoity-toity New York school. But all is not as it seems with Eleanor. She's clearly a very disturbed woman with a lot of baggage. She has an instant connection with Kidman's grace. But there's not much time for Grace to figure out exactly what the deal is with Eleanor, because before the first episode is done, Eleanor is found brutally murdered. We're doing lots of dun-dun-duns this week. (laughs) It sends ripples through the school community and Grace seems especially affected by the news. And when the police come knocking and start asking questions and then Hugh Grant's character seems to have vanished without a trace, the series is well and truly set up for what promises to be a ride of twists and turns as the rest of the series plays out. It's received Mm. mixed reviews from around the world, some incredibly positive, some incredibly not. I'm going to stay tight-lipped for as long as I can with this one, which probably won't be long, um, because I want to hear what my dear friends think. Malk, let me come to you first. Sure. Adapting existing IP into miniseries is all the rage right now, especially female-driven mm. thrillers. We've seen a bunch of them recently. Big Little Lies, also from Kelly, of course. Little Fires Everywhere, to name just a couple. How do you think The Undoing stacked up in such a busy field? I Look, from the, the very first, you know episode i because i will put my colors out i've seen the first five mm-hmm. thanks very much to foxtel and the preview angels yes. uh, but we'll keep our focus on just that first episode um and anyone that wants to hear about other stuff up hit me up <laughs> uh the, f- from the minute that i i finished that and then press play on the second ep i i just wanted to talk to you guys about this i found it really interesting i haven't read the source material okay i've yep. only seen this series as it stands and the voluminous amount of advertising and promotion that Foxtel mm. have thrown at it mm. in this quarter. Now, yes, it has Hugh Grant. Yes, it has our Nicole. Um, and just casually, Donald Sutherland. I mean, those yes. three alone, let alone the rest of the cast, uh, are worth tuning in for. Um, I found, I think, 
for me, the thing that kept me going was that I found Kelly's writing and, and the voice that he had put it was just, I, I was transfixed. Oh, good. Just when I thought I had a bit of it worked out, it, it doubled down on yep. me. Yep. Yeah, and, and I will say, to my own credit, that I think it was about episode three that I predicted something that pops up right at the end of episode five. Oh, that's okay. right. Um, okay. But it's not, it's not telegraphed in any way. I just, it, it, cause I love to get my head into working this stuff out. Yep. And it was just right. So what's going on here? Why is this a thing? It can't be as easy as I think it is. It's got to be something else. I reckon it's this. Um, and I didn't get it totally right, but I, I'm comfortable in myself that the thing I picked, I picked mm-hmm. it's, I was disappointed by some of the performances mm-hmm. for, for those really? great names that land there mm-hmm. um i thought that hugh grant was foppish hugh grant as hugh grant is oh, except okay. that he really? swore um and like it would fine um I, I thought that what we were presented was a whole level of new york that i will never see this was almost the richest of the rich these people yeah. function in a world way beyond mm, me. not even the housewives um, of new york are in it like these were yeah. different uh, a, settings a yeah. glass of water for a thousand dollars at a silent auction, like, at an auction. Yeah, there true. was a there was a um a scene where nicole is standing in donald's house her father's house uh, apartment sorry and it's got these like almost floor to ceiling windows and these big long mm. curtains and it easily that room is two and a half stories high yeah. Like, it is huge. So, money, 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 money. I was super disappointed in Nicole Kidman. Apart from her face barely moving, um, the range of emotion she showed was one. Okay. That's ah, interesting. So I, I just... That's really I, interesting and I to don't want to... It's really in fashion, I appreciate, to, to bash on Nicole Kidman. I just thought this was not her finest work at all. Okay. Well, speaking of performances, this mm. is a very impressive cast. Malka, you mentioned Hugh Grant. Donald Sutherland mm. as Kidman's father, Edgar Ramirez is the detective in charge of the homicide investigation, yeah, and his role will, will surely grow, I assume, as the series plays yes. out. Joe, what did you think of the performances in this one? Oh, oh, okay. I've got so much to say yeah, about yeah, this yeah, one. So I'm really intrigued, Mock. You obviously never saw Nicole Kidman in Australia. The film I saw her was... in a lot of things that I regret seeing her in. I was going to say, I felt like she definitely eased up on the Botox, and for the first time in a long time... I was like, hello, there you are. We can see you inside there. And her beautiful auburn locks had returned. I felt like this was back to sort of dead calm, Bangkok Mm. Hilton, Nicole. Even her Aussie twang was very noticeable. I know she's playing a New Yorker, but there was an edge edge occasionally. And I thought, oh, she's been, I don't know, hanging out in Australia. Um, I took me out of it. Right. See, I thought uh, this was the best performance I've seen Nicole do for a very long time. Her wow. skin is still, you know, so milky and waxy. It's, it's, uh, it's, you do spend a good amount of the screen time staring at her pores or the mm-hmm. lack of pores on her mm. skin. But there were so many beautiful parts about this, and I don't love this genre, as we know, so I'm really intrigued to know, Dan, if it stacks up as a thriller mm. uh, because I don't usually watch them. But the... The, from the get-go, the music, the classical music, then the beautiful, uh, it was so expensive, the photography and, and the filmmaking, wasn't it? They've thrown so much yeah. money at this. The colours, the burgundies and uh, purples mm. and turquoises throughout her apartment, throughout her Deep hair, throughout her wardrobe, it's just so beautifully uh, shot. Mm. And even the close-ups of her, you know, it, the details, her fingernails, her eyeballs even, like, 
and the Upper East Side riches, as mm. you guys have talked about. But back to your question, Dan, the performances. I thought this was a top-notch cast, as you've said, um, and a chic cast. And I thought um, a Donald Sutherland, I'm only up to episode three and he really hasn't had to do a lot. Right. Mm. Um, Hugh, I found to be stepping out of his dipsy, fipsy, fopsy and perhaps finding an interesting edge that he hasn't um, shown too many times before. I know Nicole really wanted him for this part. I'm intrigued as to why, as to maybe it was just the fact he was going to play so against type. Uh, mm. But I think Hugh probably has a lot of life experience now that he's got le- left to give mm. should he want to and i think they he's an actor that we the couple really well i think they sell yes. that yeah. they're oh my god and so from the get-go at first i hated her because her world was so perfect and then obviously it unfolds and i kind of liked her which says a lot about me doesn't wow. it? but she does keep that simmering you don't know what she's thinking a lot of the time. Uh, between, you know, it's all under the surface and she really keeps a lid on that. And maybe that's what you found frustrating, Malk, was that she wasn't showing any emotion. Probably. But I think that's part of her character and she's got to sustain that over, what, six episodes, is it? Mm. To keep mm. that character alive. It's not just a movie length. It's, it's you know, maybe I found her to be at her sort of regal, ravishing best. Mm. Um, and I loved particularly the scenes with the young boy. And I know she's a mum of girls. I mean, she did have the adopted son. Connor, but he's a lot older now. But I found those scenes quite touching and moving. I've got a son, a bit older, but similar age. And the bits where, he, you know, he got into bed and gave her a big cuddle. And I found them quite, quite real. Um, Brookie's yeah, going to so. melt if you don't let him say something, Joe. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, over to you, Brookie. What did you think about it for it? I thought Nicole put in a great performance. Mm. Unfortunately, over the course of the five episodes we've been allowed to see, she had to repeat herself quite a lot of times, uh, Mm. which I think was a fault of the structure of it because she kept getting put in the same scenarios. Guess what? The detectives have come up to challenge her yet again. They've dropped in. So So you thought it was too drawn out. In that sense, yes. I thought Donald Sutherland was amazing. The person I found actually pretty Mm. weak was Hugh Grant. Best actor, I thought, and she's not in the first episode, but she pops up, is the actor who she looked so familiar, Noma Duzweni, who played the lawyer Hayley Fitzgerald. Did anyone spot where she was from? <gasps> yes! She was the, Oh, she's an English lady, isn't she? She was the woman in our one of our favourite shows of the year, Normal People, who was the counsellor for Connell mm. when he went into... Yes. Oh, my goodness! She had a similar... I didn't pick her. Quality, I thought. Oh, brilliant! brilliant. The character that the I, I finally yeah. worked out was uh, the police officer, the investigator who who played Gianni Versace. I was like, I know that ah, face. I know right. that face. Yeah. And he was in American Horror anyway, Story. Versace. Mm. Yeah, I've only seen yes. the first one, so I'm looking forward to checking out her. But Brookie, some of the complaints um, were that the first episode tried too hard to be shocking. There's a scene of full frontal female nudity not long into the opening hour. And that it did so at the expense of being compelling enough narratively. I know you've done a lot of research about this show. You're intrigued about it. What did you make of the show? And will you be coming back for more? Well, you've seen five of them. Well, I I mean, in their brilliance, (laughs) HBO have left. No one has seen the final episode. So we don't know Mm, how it wraps up. Yes. So so much of how we're going to judge the show on the whodunit aspect and the denouement, etc., we can't do Mm. because no one tells how it... No one can... Uh, say with no confidence how it works out. I thought that the 
first episode had to pull out all the stops. Uh, Elena had yep. to be mesmerizing, had to be creepy, had mm. to be unsettling. Seductive. I actually think that the, the program, thing. I mean, the full frontal nudity, yes, was mm. shocking, but uh, so was the, the was plot. It? So it was that was it needed. I thought it was shocking because she had hair still. I thought, what era? Well, Sorry, <laughs> I think it played to it played to her character in in developing this sense of she is so otherworldly to Nicole. And Kidman's what character. was what yeah. was going on? And then we find that things were very much not what they seemed in that mm. first episode. And I think because she is now out of the picture, the she, the subsequent episodes were really missing something because they lacked that sort of compelling yes, so. presence. And uh, there wasn't really good use made of her in flashbacks. You did miss her. You're right. The whole exchange at that auction was what drew me straight to episode two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually, I I, I disliked this enormously during the opening setup. I didn't like the family. I thought you don't have Mm. that wonderful sense that you had in Big Little Lies about the sense of the community, etc. But then the cliffhanger from the ending of the first episode was tremendous and I thought I'm totally going to mm. invest in this and I found myself flipping back and forth between those two polarising opposite viewpoints for the rest of the series. Some, okay. uh, so you did the five did episodes, the five episodes Some Well, that says it all. If you did the five episodes... mesmerising and then others must were repetitive and dull, as I mentioned okay. earlier. And I actually think for all of David E. Kelly's brilliance is that he missed... Uh, he missed a trick from the source material, which is based on this book that is entitled You Should Have Known. The premise of the book is that uh, Nicole is a, a, a psychologist counsellor. Yes. Uh, she's written a book and it's called You Should Have Known, which is basically a provocative right. uh, ah. attack on women, if you like, saying, look, you know the type of person you marry, is. you always yeah. go for the same type of person you're making excuses for yourself the marriage your marriage okay. doesn't work uh, the oh, reason why your marriage hasn't worked is that you make the same mistakes over and over again you really do know what you're getting yourself in for ladies but you just go ahead and do it anyway and then suddenly guess what she's thrown into exactly the same situation as the people that she is counseling yeah. have fallen into yep. and she has to realize that actually life is a whole lot more complicated than that. If, That's mm. interesting, Brookie, because in the first episode wow. we see a scene towards the beginning of the first episode where she's counselling a woman and she kind of says that to her. She says you keep falling mm. for the same um, same kind of guy and is it you and not... Oh, she says it to the gay couple yeah. as well. The, yeah, so they've, maybe they've tried to access it that they way. They did, but, yeah, but I don't think they got the sort of sledgehammer. No, as well if you hadn't have pointed it out. Look, yeah. I mean, I, I know what happens in the book, but... As we have, it's clear from the TV show, uh, it goes its own way quite early on from the path of the book. So I'm not sure that the whodunit aspect is going to be replicated exactly by the TV series. But really, to have any kind of emotional impact whatsoever, there's a very few, you know, limited number of the cast uh, who can be the perpetrator. There's basically Hugh Grant, Mm. which is, you know, he's the prime suspect. There's Nicole Kidman, which is suggested early on. There's obviously her father, Donald Sutherland. There's obviously her son. There's obviously the husband of Elena. Mm-hmm. And I just think if it's not one of those people, then I'm suddenly going to feel a bit cheated. Mm. Did you, Brookie, and this is a, we're keeping it spoiler mm. free, 
the 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 big shock surprise uh, at the reveal at the end of episode right. five. I know what you're talking about. Was that other than the fact that you kind of had read the the stuff? No, no, no was I that, didn't did you see read it coming? that until afterwards. So I didn't do my right. research until afterwards. So did it surprise you? Did you see it coming? When did it smash you in the face? Uh, I would say that that was a scenario that was on my list of yes. possible events to occur. But then, of course, because it's the season... Uh, sorry, it's the episode five cliffhanger, mm. um, and given the whole setup of the show where there's been a cliffhanger almost every episode, yeah. that, uh, and then yeah. suddenly yeah. things are not what they seem, I think that actually rules out that circumstance from being a part of the denouement of the entire plot. Okay. In, in that it's a distraction. It will prove to be turned on its head. Well, yes. this has me awesome. intrigued. I look forward to hearing what this thing is at the end of episode five. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad you guys liked the show. I thought for sure you wouldn't for some reason. Well, I, what I um, want to do I was... something unusual is that after episode six has screened, we all come back for mm. a further discussion because a quick like revisit. Agatha Christie, the murder of Roger Ackroyd, if you read that, and I read that as a teenager, and yep. this plot has been copied countless times before, but she times, was the first yeah. one to do it, and you get to the final, and you are, you've, are, the identity of the murderer is revealed, and you are just gobsmacked. So yeah. it would be nice, although I don't have my hopes up, that we get a pleasant, similar mm. thrill during episode six of The Undoing. And that's six weeks away, is it? The Foxtel are dropping it yeah, one week, a week by week. Episode yeah. right. a week. It's yep. a date for sure. Yeah, I really mm-hmm. liked it. I thought the full front in, full frontal nudity was absolutely needed. It made yeah. the audience feel as uncomfortable mm. as Grace felt to, to go on the ride with her. I thought the performances were really good. I'm really keen to see more of Sutherland and Kidman together. I think they're going oh. to deliver some gold. I hope they do. Um, There's a cracker from Donald Sutherland with the oh, school principal. Love that. Absolutely oh, love amazing. That. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I don't think the plot was perfect in the first episode. It got off to a slow start, and I think the opening where we saw a glimpse of Eleanor's son finding her body as a bit of a teaser was undercooked and lacked punch to really hook people in from, mm. the, from the get-go. Um, but there were enough compelling moments across the hours as a whole to keep me hooked and keep me wanting to come back for more. So, as I said, I've only seen one. You guys have seen more. So, but on, based on the first episode, I'm giving it three and a half stars out of five. How about you guys? Joe? let me come to you first. What did you... Uh, I've only seen up to episode three and that cliffhanger sounds like it doesn't eventuate, but that's already got me intrigued and I can't wait to get off this podcast to go watch the ah, next okay. that's good. episode. Uh, so I'm going to give it four. Definitely, as I said, I'm not usually a fan of the thriller, but I I really found myself, yeah, wanting more. more. Definitely. Nice. Malk, stars I was going to give it a, f- a four based purely on, on the writing and how it, I just kept had to keep pressing play. Excellent. I had to do next, yep. next, next. Yep. Um, however, I agree your assessment, Dan, of that early part of episode one it is a bit tough. It is it is kind of doesn't all quite fit together. So I'm going to slide it back to a three and a half. Hmm. Okay. And Brookie? I am going to give it a progress score, if I may, of three. Sure. That I nice. reserve my right, depending on episode six, when we come back. God, I'm writing yeah, on that one. Well, I just think, mm. but it's going to be, isn't it? If we feel that jumps the shark yeah. in episode yeah. six, or mm-hmm. we think it's the perfect mm-hmm. ending, is really going to govern how we feel. So, yeah. I would mm-hmm. love to know what our audience think about this one because, heck, it's had mm. us talking. It sure has. 
All right, so that is what we thought, Bingies. Check it out for yourself and let us know on Twitter, on Facebook, or Facebook, what you thought. Uh, Brookie, you are in the driver's seat for next week's group binge. What are we watching? We're watching something completely different. Good. A Logie Award-winning <laughs> Australian TV comedy, which was created by Paul Fennick, was written by Paul oh, Fennick, it was directed rookie. by Paul Fennick, oh and it starred... I've never watched one of these! Fennick, I've never watched this them. series whatsoever, but I'm really intrigued by oh. it because working-class ethnic comedy is something I think we don't do enough of mm-hmm. on Australian television. It's Houseos. This mm-hmm. is a show that premiered on SBS. It was from the sort of same gang that got Fat Pizza together. This mm-hmm. is the third series. It's called Houseos versus Virus, the lockdown. So it sounds like it's incredibly <laughs> oh, actually, topical because we're dealing with COVID-19. It has yep. just started yep. on Seven Mate. But we can all catch up with the first episode of season three on Seven Plus. So I am coming to it completely cold. Joe, it sounds like you're coming to it completely cold. Dan and Malk, have you... Never seen an episode. Okay. I've seen a lot of it, and I can warn you, the first episode has a punch-up over a roll of toilet paper. Okay. Oh, Oh, I love it. This sounds like the comedy that we need. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Get ready for a song. (laughs) Gang, we are almost done. But before we go, let's take a quick dip into... Rewind. Joe, what have you been rewatching? Oh, okay. Well, sticking with HBO, I thought mm-hmm. it would be nice to stick with that theme this week. This series was absolutely addictive, I think, for most. And I'd be surprised if you Are there horses? Weren't. There are no horses. <laughs> there are lots of flashy cars, no horses. It was on air for eight seasons, the first being the year 2004. I'm going to just give you the titular character names and you'll be with me. Vince, E, Turtle, Drama, Ari. Oh, Entourage. Oh, yes, there we are. Talking about Entourage, the story of a young actor from Queens who lives the life of a Hollywood star surrounded by his boyhood pals who shamelessly milk the actor's fame for all it's worth. (laughs) Commonly known as the show loosely based on Marky Mark Wahlberg's Mm. life and his hometown buddies. Um, It is that HBO tradition or the younger HBO tradition of those sharp, cutting-edge sort of comedies. And I was hooked and I know most men were hooked. I'm not sure if you guys were hooked, but I remember even following Johnny Drama or... uh, What's his name, Devin? Kellen Dillon? The, the, the not as good looking De- Dillon brother. Um, around a marquee at the Melbourne Cup a few years ago. Oh, okay. Trying to get a photo. But at some point between the uh, love and adulation, the world kind of turned on this show and it has not dated well at all. Okay. It is now Ooh. currently on binge. Yep. Um, and when I re-watched it, it, it's almost like these characters are now cultural outcasts <laughs> watching it again. Um, the things we loved and watched with Envy, uh, you know, they dated so easily. They had all these well, honey-looking the girls. The clothes, the hairstyle, the flashy cars, the fancy houses, the $20,000 Japanese sneakers. It just doesn't date well right. at all. Four white guys and a super obnoxious white agent using ratings and discarding women while blowing through millions of dollars um, it just yeah, right. doesn't so work in this day and yeah. age. Uh, mm. We haven't seen much of them around, to be honest, since um, since they, you know, in their heyday, any of these guys. Were you boys fans? Never watched I, it. Did, yes. 
Yeah, oh, I saw ah, bits of it, but really? no, I never watched it religiously. Yeah. Okay. Ari Gold was one of the most amazing characters <laughs> oh. I've ever seen in my life. Oh, some of the stuff like, he says, Monk. To his assistant. Outrageous. Outrageous. Did I read talk that there might be oh. a new film? Or am I making, did I dream that? I think there oh. was a film that bombed from memory, was okay. there? Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. was there was a feature film that really bombed. I mean, to be frank, I think it was about at, really at the height of Entourage, around season three, they brought back Andrew Dice Clay, who <laughs> had been <laughs> seemingly on line. ice, right? <laughs> had seemingly been on ice as a career goes, mm-hmm. and this just put him back in the stratosphere. The stratosphere yeah. Everything Dice was Dice again. It was incredible to see the way that they included him as his character engaged and that was the real the real win for mine in entourage is that because it was set in hollywood they could bring anybody into that world as themselves and get them to do the most amazing or horrific things in the world and it was just they do say 99 percent of it was based on real life scenarios someone actually did something that someone did I get mm-hmm. that you're saying the show has aged, but is that the case or is the fact that we are just now so far removed from the target audience of teenage boys <laughs> that <laughs> I don't know what my son thinks about it because I always... Well, interesting. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good point. That is a really good point. But I feel like there was a trending hashtag on Twitter not that long ago, which is something like... Um, Entourage is for douchebags or something. Okay. So I don't know if that was created by women, but I feel like that moment in time has kind That's of passed. gone. And was there even some, I vaguely remember it's coming back, Jeremy Piven might have been involved in some sort. I shouldn't say something out there if I don't know any mm. of it, but there was some sort of not great yeah, some uh, sort of stuff scandal. about him. Yeah. yeah, there was a scandal. Yeah. So I just think it's, yeah, it's fun to watch, but it yeah, it's a, I'd love for you, you know what, you can get it on a DVD box set. Mm. Brookie's ears pricked up. <laughs> he did. He looked straight well, up. Just, he I've looked just straight had a really up. Difficult experience this week because I went to JB Hi-Fi and they're oh. they're taking all their box sets out, man, of the city. Ah, oh, so really? Are you okay? No, not actually. I had a really slightly traumatizing morning. So are oh. they not in a bin for a dollar or something oh, now? They've been replaced by LPs. There's a whole section in JB Hi-Fi of yes. records. Like yeah, LPs. Yeah. I know it. My daughter got one for her 16th yeah. birthday. Oh, Brookie, well, and I tell you what, there's nothing like the sound. She put on Simon and Gar- an original Simon and Garfunkel from her nan and pop the other day. And boy, the sound of the needle on that it record. Something's, yeah, on the yeah. vinyl, it's Look amazing. You nostalgic jerks. Goodness. Next All thing right. you'll go, <sighs> there's nothing like pressing play on a VCR <laughs> and waiting for the tape. There's nothing like a cast single. <sighs> Something like that. Oh, All right. Thank you, Joe. That All brings right. us to the end of this week's party. Huge thanks to our binge boxers, Malk, Joe, and Brookie. Where can we find you on the social media platforms, Mr. Malk? Uh, look, I'm at Steve Malk in everywhere that counts. Friends, we really do appreciate it when you swing by and give us five stars and leave us a lovely rev- mm. rating on your um, review on your favorite podcast platform just like these two people did in the last week or two. Um, Yoga Lib swung by and said, I look forward to this each week. So glad you're back, gang, after our little holiday break. Uh Love hearing what you've been watching. Shout out to Brookie. Now, here's the problem. After last week, where Brookie said he didn't (laughs) 
didn't ever have a comment in this mentioning him. Aww. This came out like the day after he said this. So here we go. Yeah. Shout out, out to, to the universe for oh, look, highlighting the split. I loved series one and series two just as good. I listen to your podcast to do my housework, which makes it so much easier Aww. to get through. Well, thank you, Yoga Lib. And Lachlan Haswell also popped by and said, your nagging finally made ah. me put my rating. <laughs> I'd like it to be longer, FYI, on episode seven. Oh. Ah. Well, you got your What's wish this week, seven? Lachlan, because okay. I it waffled for a very long, long time. <laughs> um, Joe, where can we find you? Okay, well, you can find me at joe.casamento, and I'm going to sound rather desperate, but I'm, I'm in these COVID times making a bit of my living through my Instagramming, so feel free to press on, swipe up, tag, push, save, yes. buy anything I offer. Honestly, it's, it's hard times, and when I, you know, put something up there, I'd really love you to tap on it. It all, all right. counts. We'll, we'll do and uh, just, what, just while I've got you. Um, since Brookie did bring up uh, weird foot fetishes, oh, yeah. you can also find me at WikiFeet. I have a page and I have a good solid five out of five rating on my Wow. On There's my so toes. That is just, I'm disturbed on lots of levels. Wow. All right. Brookie. It's a thing. It's a thing. Where can we find you? Well, you can find me at the discount bin at JB Hi-Fi. Crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, rocking in the corner, the crying. Weeping at the lack of Doctor Who DVDs. And um, if not, which I will point out, Joe, you cannot get on a streaming service. Thank you very much. Or on at or I'm at Viscount Rookie on various platforms. Thank you. Um, I just while Brookie was talking, I just did some googling and I think I found Joe's sex tape. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, don't! Who leaked that? <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. I was kidding. Uh, oh my god, my heart just skipped a bit. All right, oh, I'm dear. at Dan M Bennett on Twitter and underscore Dan M Bennett on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everyone. We look forward to your company again next week. Until then, we're out. Ciao.